spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. another episode of the championship roundtable podcast you can reach us on the show by following us on twitter at championship pod you can reach me on twitter at underscore james vickers where obviously i'm the host of the podcast and i talk mainly about preston north end hello my name is louis shackshaft um, i do a lot of writing and blogging obviously podcasting also um, i talk a lot about sheffield wednesday that's the team i support and you can check out my website or my Twitter handle, which is at Louis Shackshaft. Hello, I'm Simeon Pickup. I'm a fan of the Mighty Reading FC. Uh, I'm editor of the Tarvest End uh, blog, and we do a lot of uh, Reading content there. We do opinion pieces, match reports, uh, analysis, all those kind of things, um, and some podcasts as well. Um, yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Royal and find us on on Twitter at the Tilehurst End. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Uh, obviously, it's the first show back after the international break. Not a lot really went on over the international break, but it's all sort of happened over the last few days. Obviously, earlier today, Chris Coleman's been appointed there, the Sunderland manager, on a, I believe it's a two-and-a-half-year deal. Um, we've covered sort of the, the mess at Sunderland a lot over the last couple of weeks. So I thought we'd start with this. Um, wanted to get both of your opinions on do you think it will be a positive appointment for Sunderland? And is it a bit of a risk for Chris Coleman going to sort of what many perceive at the moment as a bit of a crisis club? Uh, start with you first, Louis, on this, and Simeon, feel free to join in as well. Um, I think it's a bit of a risk, to be honest. I mean, obviously, um, the outcome of appointing Coleman, will Sunderland will only find out in May, won't they? Whether that's a, a good appointment, if you like. Um when they did appoint him, I thought, like I mentioned, it was a bit of a risk. But I think Sunderland at the minute have simply just got to take a risk because I know we've mentioned a few times on the podcast, and as everybody knows, Sunderland are just on such a downward spiral that, you know, something had to give. Unfortunately for Grayson, I'd, like I've said before, I don't think he is the issue, but it is always the manager what gets the chop. It's never the players and obviously not the chairman. So, you know... Coleman's got credentials, obviously, you know, mainly I remember him from his Fulham days where he had, you know, some decent success. And then most recently at, at Wales, uh, where he, you know, like we all know the story there. He's, he's done really, really well with Wales um, and he's probably took us, them as far as they can go. Um, so it will be interesting to see him take over such a huge club in Sunderland and, and, and where they go with that. I mean, I just hope he's given time. Um, whether, I mean, this could this could easily happen. Whether Sunderland need to go back down again to start afresh, rebuild, and come back up, will that do them any good? I, I, I just don't know. That, like I said, they're in they're in a crisis at the minute, Sunderland. Um, and for their sake, I hope Coleman does do well, and for his sake also. But I just don't. I, I don't know where Coleman's going to start at the minute. Um, but yeah. If he could take over from, from me, Simeon, because it's just one of them subjects where I, I just I don't know what to expect from yeah. Sunderland now at all, to be honest. I think the problem with Sunderland is the the issues that are um, making them have, have such a bad start to the season. It goes far deeper than the manager. It's not just someone's come in and isn't doing the right tactics or he's not brought in the wrong players. It's the whole ethos at the club, not the ethos, the whole... Uh, negativity at the club that just runs right through it at the moment. The fan base. I, is I so, agree. Yeah, completely. Yeah, they're, they're so down at the moment. Um, and if you compare them to Newcastle when they went down a year or two ago, if you look at Newcastle, the fans were still very positive that they could go back up uh, financially. They had a lot of clout to bring in some more players. Uh, you could see big attendances week in week out. There was a real 
a real grit about them that they felt that they could get back to the Premier League, even though they just had a really bad relegation. But with Sunderland, I don't really see what is going right for them at the moment. What does Coleman have to work with to try and turn things around? Does he have talent in the team? He's got someone like Graben who can score a lot of goals, but can he energise the whole the whole squad? And I'm not sure, so sure if he can. Out of all the appointments they could have made, uh, Sunderland, I think Coleman's probably one of the better ones because he's just come off energising Wales and really getting a feel-good factor for them going, taking a, a good set of players and making them play really well, really getting the most out of them. So Sunderland have got to hope that they can get the the a similar effect out of Coleman this time. I think what's been interesting as well, sort of chatting to people on Twitter, Sunderland fans, um, obviously Coleman's come in from managing Wales where, you know, he's had managerial sort of success in, in league football before, but it's sort of a massive step to come back in after, you know, sort of four, four and a half years out of regular day-to-day management, you know, managing players on the training ground. So it'll certainly be interesting from that aspect, how he, you know, slots back into it. Obviously, the game changes sort of on a weekly basis and sort of four years out from, you know, sort of obviously you, you do your management at international football, but it's very few and far between sort of with the international breaks. They don't come around sort of too often. So it's certainly going to be interesting, as I said, from that aspect to see how he does slot back in. Um, sort of as the as Simeon said, it's probably one of the better appointments they could have made. I think it's definitely a risk for him having stepped down from the Wales job on Friday. You know, did fantastically well for them getting them to the Euro semi-final. In some respect, it's you know an easy job for him to go into because there's sort of that much negativity around the club at the moment. The bottom of the league, you know, things can't really get worse for him. So sort of the only way is up. But at the same time, it's also a huge risk for him. He's he's done fantastically well over the last few years to sort of build up his reputation at international football. That this could be sort of a step backwards if, if results don't work out. So it's definitely going to be interesting over the next sort of few weeks and sort of coming out the other side of Christmas to see where Sunderland are and how he's got them playing. Uh, so it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, sort of getting away from Sunderland, though, I, I can't imagine there'll be many of any players in our sort of the next subject that we're going to get on to. It's a subject that we've been talking about sort of off off air over the last few weeks and we thought we'd, we'd do it this week. It's sort of a good time getting sort of into the, the full swing of things now in the season. We're coming up to Christmas and that's going through our team of the season so far. Um, I don't know about you guys. I've gone for a sort of a basic 4-4-2 as it was sort of easiest to fit sort of players in that I wanted. Um, obviously, we're all going to have a goalkeeper, so I think we should start there. Um, be interesting to see your two picks. Um, I've gone with... Um, Wolverhampton's keeper John Ruddy obviously another clean sheet yesterday that Simeon won't be too happy about away at Reading uh, that's nine clean sheets I believe for him now obviously it's it's easy to choose the keeper who's sat at the top of the league um, but I think he's been sort of really good for them this season coming over from Norwich he's slotted in sort of with a new back four in front of him and done fantastically well and he's been sort of one of the sort of the reasons why Wolves find themselves at the top of the table. Obviously, they've got fantastic talents and spent a lot of money in the, the forward department, but you, you've you got to keep clean sheets if you're scoring goals. Obviously, you can't go out and draw every game or, or scrape by sort of winning 4-3 and, and that kind of thing. So John Ruddy would be my keeper so far to go into the team of the season. Um, what about you guys? Um, I've gone Ruddy as well, and like you said, it seemed like an obvious choice because they're just simply sat at the top of the league. Uh, but I've also noted the nine clean sheets and, you know, the res- respect to the guy for that because without those clean sheets, he wouldn't be sat at the top of the league, would they? And I know that's easy to say, uh, but it's. <laughs> I just want to state as well, before we pick these 11 players, I've gone for a 4-4-2 and it is so hard to pick 11 players from, you know, the, the teams at the minute because I literally had a, had a list of 25, 30 players I, I could have chose from. Um, and you speak to fans and they're like, well, why have you not got this player in? Why have you not got that player in? And it's like, well, I can only choose 11 players and it's based on the position that they're playing as well. And it, it is so hard to choose. But goalkeeper like you, James, I couldn't have said that any better. John Ruddy for me. 
I've gone Ruddy as well, actually. Um, it pains me to say that after a fantastic performance at our ground that uh, we really should have we really should have scored. And there's one chance in particular in the second half where uh, it's squared for, I think, Modu Barrow. And it's about 10 yards out and he just whacks it straight towards the corner. It's an instinctive palm away from John Ruddy, which it, any other... Well, nine times out of ten, that would have gone in the back of the net. But it's just one of those really good saves that you can tell a really good goalkeeper can do. Um, I think a lot of the time we would have at least managed to get one goal out of that game. Should have got a draw. Um, but when Wolves have such a good goalkeeper like John Ruddy, then it's no surprise that they're top of the league. Yeah, um, so I think that sort of going through now is where we'll sort of probably have the same player I'd imagine getting into the back four or back three whatever you've chosen uh, and the midfield uh, sort of will have a few different picks um, as I said earlier I've gone with a four-four-two. so right back for me I had two different options I had Cyrus Christie at Derby who you know is always a solid championship centre-back and when I was planning out this list he was my sort of initial pick but after seeing him on Friday night I'm going to change it to Carter Vickers at Sheffield United he's dropped down there sort of into the championship coming on loan from Tottenham and he's slotted in as if he's you know been a sort of a regular for a number of years really I think sort of a theme through my team there is quite a few Sheffield United players in and you know they're there on merit really they've done fantastically well they've carried on that form that they had in League One last season and, you know, taken to it like a duck to water this season. So Carter Vickers had been my right back, chipped in with an assist on Friday night away at Burton as well. Um, Solid player and, you know, he's only getting better the more experience he gets in this division. I've gone for Cyrus Christie. So as you've mentioned him there, um, although he's at Middlesbrough and not Derby. (laughs) Derby, yeah, sorry. He was there, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, Cyrus Christie, I believe he's got three Man of the Match awards this season. Um, he's got a couple of assists. I think he's the pick of the bunch at right back. And like you says, it's so difficult to pick players um, on that shortlist. But I've narrated it. I've narrowed it down to him. And not only that, um, I think he's been one of the better players in the Middlesbrough team that I thought would be doing better than they are. And he's only 22 years of age as well. So. That's good to see. In fact, a lot of my players that I have picked, as you will see, are relatively young, which actually surprised myself there. Um, but you won't be surprised I've not picked many Sheffield United players, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gone Christie as well. His uh, uh, attacking ability for Middlesbrough, not Derby, is uh, is uh, very good. Uh, bombing up and down that flank, he's shown that at Derby for a couple of years now, and he's continued that this season. Yeah, what's interesting about Cyrus Christie, I actually had Middlesbrough wrote down and, you know, forced to have it going back to Derby where he has been for the last few years. So I don't think you're going to let me lift that down. Um, I've gone, obviously, 4-4-2, so I'll go both my centre-backs here. First of all, I've gone John Terry. Um, Obviously, he's out injured now for a bit, but there was a few question marks over when Aston Villa signed him. You know, would he adapt to... Not necessarily the pace of the championship, but obviously there's more games in this division and they come thick and fast. And, you know, at his age, would he be able to to manage sort of playing week in, week out when he was sort of a bit part player at Chelsea really last season? And, you know, before this injury, which, you know, broken toe, it's it's not as if it's a muscle or something catching up on him. It's a bit of a freak injury. Um, he's done fantastically well. And I think he's one of the key reasons why Aston Villa were starting to climb the table while he was in the side. Um, I remember seeing him a few weeks ago on Sky Cameras at Preston. Couldn't make it to the game, but sort of watching it from sort of a TV view, it was sort of fascinating to see how quiet he kept Hugh Gill, who's been, you know, one of our best strikers this season and it's given every defender that he's come up against sort of a torrid time. And to see sort of that experience and, and common influence of John Terry was, you know, fantastic to watch. Probably get a bit of stick for saying that as a Preston fan, but he'd be my first centre-back. Um, the second centre-back, uh, I'd go with Aidan Flint at Bristol City. It's done fantastically well. They have been one of the surprise packages, really, this season. I don't think many people would have expected them to be sort of as high up as they are at the moment. And, you know, they're going fantastically well. 
And what was interesting when I was having a look at his stats, he's actually got four goals as well this season in 12 games from centre-back, which, you know, is a fantastic return in the league. It's a goal sort of every three games. And if they are going to carry sort of on the run that they're on, it's, you know, vital that he's playing well and also chipping in with goals as well. So that'd be my centre-back pairing. Um, What would your guys be? So continuing where you left off, um, I've gone for Flint as well. Um, I think he's top quality. In fact, I think he's probably the best defender in the league at the minute. Um, I also noticed he's scored four goals and he's got three man of the match awards. And I think the teams that are doing well, like your Bristol Cities and your Cardiffs, Wolves, they've all got a solid spine and, and players like Flint, obviously, start that success. And, and, and that's the reason where they are in the table. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a top quality defender and I wish a player like Flint was at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, my other one, and this is probably where we start to disagree, uh, but my other centre-back, obviously you went Terry James. I've gone for Sol Bamba. I think, and I think he's the oldest player that I've picked in my whole squad. Um, so he's quite experienced. But I remember at the beginning of the season, and, and he, I know we got another clean sheet as such yesterday from a defender's point of view, uh, but he's got three man of match awards. He's also got two goals. And again, I think he's been just solid at times this season. Um, his, his experience has really shown in this division. And obviously, that's another reason why Cardiff are doing really well. I think he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. So they're, they're my two, Sol Bamba and Aidan Flint. Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, Flint and Bamba as well. I was uh, strongly tempted to throw Liam Moore in there as uh, just purely from some Reading bias. But... Um, if you look at Cardiff's defensive record, 13 goals conceded is the best in the division, and Sol Bamba's a key part of that. Neil Warnock loves his big, commanding, strong, experienced centre-halves, and uh, Sol Bamba is a very good example of that. And similarly, Aidan Flint um, for Bristol City, um, very commanding, physical centre-half, and being able to chip in with some um, goals at the other end of the pitch is vital too. Um, if I think back to Reading's game against Bristol City when we were, uh, it was just a, a tight nil-nil for most of the game. And then Aidan Flint popping up to uh, get a winner right at the end of the match. That's the kind of uh, contribution you want from your centre-halves that really gets your team over the line in the end. Yeah, so moving on to the left-back, it was a choice of two for me. Um, I'd imagine that there might be a bit of controversy over one of them because you could class him as a, a left midfielder as well. But he's slotted in there a few times this season for Sheffield Wednesday. Imagine Louis knows him quite well, Adam Reach. Um, when we had him at Preston on loan, he was absolutely fantastic for us and was was one of our best players of the season the year we had him. And it's been really fascinating to see him sort of slot into a slightly deeper role and how well he's adapted. Um, obviously, he's great going forwards, but sort of adding that that defensive aspect to his game as well has made him such a, a crucial player over the course of this season so far. Um, it's great to have players in the division, you know, sort of for your teams especially, who can adapt and slot into a number of different positions when required. So he'd be just missing out, um, but definitely worth a mention. The one that I've gone for at left-back could be Alan Hudson at Villa. Obviously, he's a right-back by trade. He's had to shift over to left back and he's done fantastically well for them. He's chipped in with a few assists and probably when we played Aston Villa, he was man in a match. Um, you know, at his age to sort of take up not a new position, obviously sort of it's, it's full back, but you know, swap onto a different side onto his weak foot and he's, he's done exceptionally well for them so far. Um, so he'd be the, the choice that I'd go with at left back. I'm surprised you said Adam Reach, actually, because I've picked him, but I thought I was just kind of being a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> but you've obviously noticed that normally he would predominantly play on, on the left wing, but he can also drop in at left back. Um, and he has done this season, played at left back on a few occasions. But the reason I've picked him is because before the international break, obviously Sheffield Wednesday showed a, a slight bit of form, winning two games and, and drawing one. And and he was very key to that success. Uh, Adam Reach has scored three goals this season. He's also got three assists. And like I mentioned, he's, he's helped with a bit of run of fortune of late for Sheffield Wednesday, um, except for the most recent game, which we'll come on to. Uh, but yeah, he, he's my pick at left back. 
and I've put him at left back simply because the attacking players in this division, which we'll talk about, is yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't leave some players out, so I've I've popped him in there as well. I'm going to have to go with someone who neither of you have mentioned, actually, uh, Barry Douglas from Wolves, who is joint second in the division for assists. He's got uh, seven, uh, only one behind Barry McKay. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got six, one behind uh, Barry McKay with seven. Um, and to get that kind of return from a left-back this early in the season is very good. I think most of those are set-piece deliveries. Um, but even so, having those uh, that kind of contribution coming in uh, from one of your fullbacks is a really big uh, attacking contribution. I think just before the international break, Wolves won something like two 0 at Fulham, and both of them came from Douglas set pieces. Um, so having that in your team is uh, really big. So that's where I've gone from. That's a good shout. To be fair, yeah, he's uh, having a really good season. Yeah, definitely. He was one who sort of I considered, and you know, sort of looking at those stats now that Simeon's mentioned, you know, it's definitely worth a place in sort of most teams. Um, going into midfield now, I've gone for a, a four across the midfield, but <laughs> if it was to play together in the division, I don't think it'd get very far because it's quite an attack-minded midfield. But as the right winger, I've gone for Barry McKay from um, Nottingham Forest. As Simeon mentioned, top assists in the league with seven. Um, and he's also chipped in with four goals as well. You know, to to have that kind of return from a, a right winger, sort of a, granted he does play sort of as quite an advanced right winger and can also join in as a, a second striker as well. You know, it's great to have, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, Nottingham Forest, you know, are doing a lot better than they were last season. Um, they haven't drawn any games this season, which I think has been sort of a highlight of their attacking play. You know, they're either going to win or lose, and they're higher in the league than us, considering we've lost four less games than them, um, but we've drawn seven. So, you know, it definitely shows that it's better to win your games rather than to, to just sit back and get draws I suppose um, but yeah he'd be my right winger on my team Yeah I've got to agree I've got Barry McKay as well um, he just simply couldn't be left out he's, he's been Forest star player this season um, so again yeah I think he's got 11 goals and assists combined um, he's having a cracking year and I'm surprised we keep picking the same players to be honest because I didn't think this had happened but yeah for me on the right wing Barry McKay Surprise, surprise on the right wing gone for Barry McKay as well. Um, just to echo your comments about um, <laughs> uh, the assisting goal contribution. Um, for Yeah, that's uh, yeah, just what I've gone from. Can't really say anything else. You put it so well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, moving on to centre midfield now. It's, as, I've, as I've made the list, I think I've, I've cursed one of them. Um, player I know quite well from being at Preston, but he got quite a nasty injury on on Friday night, and that would be Paul Coots um, from Sheffield United. The other uh, sentiment that I've gone for as well is Mark Duffy from Sheffield United. Um, so it's a, a double Sheffield midfield, which I'd imagine will be quite different to yours, Louis. Um, but I had to give them both a mention. Obviously, they've both come up from, from League One with Sheffield United, and they've done fantastically well, and they're real sort of the driving force behind Sheffield United and, and the way they play. Um, they keep them ticking and, you know, as we've mentioned earlier, a, a solid spine to the team is a must in this division and those two have been absolutely fantastic together. Um, it's going to be interesting now, obviously, with the injury that Coots has got. I think it was a, a broken leg or definitely sort of watching the, the video of it. Um, so I can't see him playing sort of again this season, or even if he does, it's going to be right towards the back end of it. So it will be interesting to see how they cope with, with the loss of him and, and who they bring in to fill in that gap. But they're the two midfielders that I've gone with. Um, yeah, this is where obviously things hot up a little bit because understandably I can see why you've put both of those players in there. Um, I've not gone for those players, um, but take nothing away from them. They're having an absolutely outstanding season. Um, but what I've done is I've put in a defensive midfielder and a, an attacking midfielder. So my first defensive midfielder, which I've gone for, is it, it's pretty controversial, but I've gone for Massimo Luongo. Um, like I say, he's not an obvious choice, um, but when I've looked at his performances this season, he's been very consistent. And like I mentioned, I've put him in my defensive midfield simply because he's made more tackles than any other midfielder this season. Um, and you can't ask for more than that 
from a midfielder that's you know on defensive duties. So yeah, I've gone for Luongo as my defensive mid, and then behind the strikers as an attacking mid, I've put in Bobby Roode. Um, and I know obviously he can play up front as a striker and, and just behind, but I've gone in, gone and put him as my attacking midfielder. Um, I think as well, Bobby Reid is the star man this season in the championship. You can't really look past him. Um, obviously, they had Tammy Abraham last season. Bobby Reid's come in and he's pretty much echoed the success what Abraham had last year. Um, I believe he's got nine goals this season and his performances have just been sublime. Um, and I expect him to go on to bigger and greater things. Um, but I wish him every success in Bristol City as, as well because they're, they're a great side to watch this year. And fundamentally, Bobby Reed's a huge part of that success. Yeah, I'm going to go for a slightly, perhaps an odd choice. I'm going to go with uh, Liam Bridcut in the midfield, uh, brought in by Mark Warburton to try and... Uh, to try and toughen up his midfield. And defensively, he's been very solid this season. Um, I think he's one of the biggest uh, tackle contributors. Um, he's just a little bit behind Luongo, in fact. He's on 3.5 tackles per game, which is, I think, about fourth in the in the table. Um, and also, his passing stats are very good because um, Warburton likes to uh, build teams that can play out from the back and um, build up... Uh, control of the game and have a lot of possession and that that anchor in the midfield is uh, very key and Bridcut has been very good in that role um, in an attacking sense I'd have to say Bobby Reid as well um, I wanted to say James Madison at Norwich who's been a very good uh, young creative talent um, but Bobby Reid edges it out just because he's so he's been so good this season Yeah I definitely agree with sort of the the two sort of other players that you've put in there. Um, obviously, I have to give a special mention as well to Ben Pearson. Can't believe I forgot him sort of then as I was uh, going through mine. He's been absolutely fantastic for us this season. Um, the one question mark for him, though, really, as it, as it always has been, is his, you know, ability to pick up yellow cards literally every game. And the amount of games he misses through suspension is the reason why I've not put him in. But definitely have to give him a special mention because he's been fantastic for us. Um, the last player sort of in my midfield on the left wing I'd go for is is Ollie Watkins um it's been absolutely fantastic this season six goals and two assists um and he's really been sort of the star man for Brentford um you know he's he's come in done fantastically well for them and sort of on their day as as they showed when they played us a few weeks ago on their day they can you know beat anyone in the division it's just about finding that consistency for them this season and if you look at their positioning in the league table you know sort of bang center of the table five wins seven draws five defeats which really tells the tale of sort of their sort of hit and miss and consistency at the moment so if they can you know sort of find a way to, to play at that level each week. I think they'll definitely be up there come the end of the season. I'm glad you mentioned Ollie Watkins because he's been in, in and out of my squad about four times as I've been thinking about it and he's not ended up in it. Uh, but I'm a real big fan of Ollie Watkins. Uh, but on my left wing, I've gone for uh, Diogo Jota at Wolves. I know he's been a bit quieter recently, um, but as the season began, you know, he's, he's settled into the championship nicely playing some fantastic attacking football. Um, seven goals, couple of assists. As we know, Wolves are flying high and he's one of the star men at the minute. So, yeah, I've, I've gone for Jota on the left. Yeah, I've gone for Jota as well. Um, been really impressive for Wolves. Um, and as you say, a lot of goals, a lot of assists. Can't put it better than you have. Yeah, as well, sort of got to give a mention to him. I've sort of looking through my team now, I've actually realised that the only Wolves player that I've got in is actually John Ruddy, which, you know, looking back now is probably a bit of a mistake considering that they're at the top of the league and playing some great attacking football. But I'll uh, I'll leave you guys to put in the Wolves players so I can sort of focus on a few different ones. Um, going into the strikers now, um, the two that I've gone with, first of all, I've gone with Leon Clark, um, scored nine goals for Sheffield United, He's not a player, sort of precedent of Adam, and you know he's one of those those journeymen really around sort of the football league. Has been everywhere, not done particularly well, but he seems to have really sort of found a home now at Sheffield United, and he's been along with uh, Billy Sharp, who's just missed out on my team, have, has been sort of 
two of the reasons why they've done so well this season. Nine goals, and I've been really impressed with how he's adapted. You know, he's he's getting on a bit now, but he looks like he's sort of just coming into the prime of his career, which is, you know, weird to say when he's when he's had as many clubs as he has. But you know, been fantastic so far this season, and definitely deserves a place. Um, the other player I'd go with, and you two have both mentioned him as an attacking midfielder, but I've put him at striker. Is Bobby Reed? Um, obviously, nine goals, and when I was putting this team together, it was interesting to see. Um, Obviously, he's played for Plymouth, but he's actually been at Bristol City since 2011, and he's only now really getting sort of a look in for them. And, you know, to come from playing League Two football last season to be the sort of, as you said, Louis, the star man in the championship so far this season is a real testament to sort of how hard he's worked. And it would have been easy for him, obviously, he's been on loan countless times to place like Cheltenham, Oldham and, and Plymouth from Bristol to, you know, ask for a move in the summer. Um, but he's come in, filled the void left by Tammy Abraham um, and done fantastically well. And on that subject of him uh, filling the void left by Tammy Abraham, if you do want to check out um, Jake, who is on the, the Premier League podcast, has done a fantastic interview with Bobby Reed, which we'll, uh, we'll post the link to on Twitter. Um, definitely worth a read and it's sort of a, fan, a fascinating read to see you know how he's come in and, and filled that gap left by Tammy Abraham um, but yeah Bobby Reed and Leon Clark could be my two strikers yeah I I've had a squad up to now without a Sheffield United player and you know I've had to go for Leon Clark as well he's like you say he's been different gravy this season I've, I've never seen him play so well he's been unplayable at times um, I believe he's got um has he got nine goals now this season? I, I think, think nine, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, what gave him the edge in, in my team, the, the four goals he scored against Hull in, like, 36 minutes, it's just, you know, he's, he's just simply got to be in the team. He's having a cracking season. And it's strange because, obviously, like you said, he's, he's a journeyman and he's been at Wednesday as well. And, he, he, you know, he's an average player. Uh, but, yeah, he's really stepped up this this time in, in this division and, and he was probably a player you'd least expect it from. I always, I always did see him as a, as a league one player, but he stepped up and, and fair play to the guys putting himself about and he's, he's grabbing goals. And um, I don't know if he's got any assists this season, to be honest, uh, but it was between him and Ollie Watkins for me, but I've given Leon Clark the edge because I just had to put a, a Sheffield United player in there simply because they're doing so well. Um, but the other striker for me, the main man at Wolves again up front is uh, Leo Bonatini. Um, he's in double figures now, 10 goals. He's got four assists to his name and he's been a cracking signing, as as you all know and all aware. He's, he's lighting up the championship and again with him up front, I can't really look past Wolves not getting promoted this season. So they're my two up top, uh, Bonatini and Leon Clark. Yeah, just to echo that about Leo Bonatini, um, been excellent for Wolves this season. Uh, Ten goals, four assists. I think that's got to be the most goal contributions of anyone in the Championship this season. Um, And to come in and settle so quickly and so well at Wolves and to be firing in all cylinders, that's uh, been a great season for him. Um, I'm also going to throw in Jared Bowen at Hull. Uh, He's only 20, but he's already got nine goals, which um, as in joint second in the in the uh, scoring charts and to do that at such a young age in a quite struggling whole side, I think is a really big achievement. Um, but he's um, been very um, effective for whole uh, in a bit of a struggling side on a similar note. He's not in my, in my um, best team, but someone like Lewis Graben at Sunderland to be in such a bad side, but to still be right at the top of the scoring charts, getting nine goals is a really big achievement, quite similar to, Jermaine Defoe for Sunderland last season as well, to be able to find the net consistently regardless of how the rest of the team is performing is a really big achievement. Yeah, definitely another mention to Leo Bonatini. He's sort of as a player who's come in first season in the Championship, he's done remarkably well. Um, looking back now, you know, I should have put a couple of Wolves players in, but you know, as I said, let you put them in and we can sort of f- cover a few different players as well that maybe wouldn't have got covered. Um but yeah, they're our team of the seasons. Obviously, once we post this out and you give it a listen, let us know any players that we've missed out or who'd been your team of the season, obviously by following us at Championship Pod on Twitter um, and, you know, get involved in the conversation. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Moving on now, sort of to covering our teams from this past week. Obviously, it's our first games back after the international break. Um, we'll start with you first on this, Louis. You had... Um, a home game yesterday against Bristol City. Obviously, two sort of attacking teams. Um, sort of talk us through how the game went, and has there been any news sort of over the international break coming out of Sheffield Wednesday? It's been a real quiet international break at Sheffield Wednesday, but that was probably a good thing because before the international break started, we we'd had a couple of decent wins. The, the main one, obviously, away at Aston Villa. Uh, which I didn't expect, you know, I'd have probably took a point there. So it's been a quiet international break. And obviously when you come back after the break, it's it's difficult to assess how your team and the other team's going to play because there's not been that consistency. And you mentioned Sheffield Wednesday and Bristol City being attacking teams. To sum up yesterday's game, that did not really happen. It was a, a, a poor game. Um, a nil-nil draw summed it up. That was probably a fair result. Um, the most disappointing thing for me was that Sheffield Wednesday were at home yesterday, or even if you were playing away, but we didn't have one shot on goal, which is, for me, is atrocious, to be honest. Like you, you've, you've got to be having a minimum of five shots on target per game, however it comes, and we, we didn't have, have one shot at all. Um, the only shouts we did have were penalty appeals, and it's interesting because I've watched them back and... I asked some people on Twitter and, and, and their opinion and, and the penalty decisions for me, I thought if I was the ref, I probably wouldn't have given them. However, some refs could have given both, um, if that makes sense. It's it's always hard to call with penalties because, again, the, the question was asked, if that was outside of the box, it would be given as a foul, but because it's inside the box, it hasn't been. And, you know, call them 50-50 challenges or whatever you like and... That one was on roads, which was a, a slight push, if you like, and, and the Bannon one, he, he was running into the box, and I guess he, I guess he's got clipped, and you know, you, you could call it a penalty, but yet we're just having, we're just not having any luck with penalties these days. We've not had any all season. Um, the only good thing what came out of yesterday, obviously, was a clean sheet, but that doesn't resemble the performance because it was just simply not a great game. It was probably the worst game in the championship yesterday. Um, so yeah, that that's all I've got to say really about that. Um, the, the only good thing is again, Sheffield Wednesday we're, we're the only team in the Championship that haven't conceded a headed goal all season. And going into that game yesterday seems kind of strange because Bristol City have scored more headed goals than every, any other team in the league this season with six, and they've also scored the mo- most goals from set pieces. Um, so yeah, it's you know nil nil against Bristol City, a team who were doing well. You've got to take the positives, but it was it was just a poor performance, and you know going into our next game, it, 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 we just need to start having shots on goals. We're not we're never going to win a game without a shot on goal, are we? So we'll see what happens midweek. Yeah, moving on to you, Simeon. Um, as we sort of touched on earlier, you had a difficult-looking home game against Wolves, who had the opportunity to go back to the top of the table. Um, talk us through the game and sort of any news that has come out of Reading over the international break. Well, uh, going back to the, um, the international break itself, the real feeling around Reading was that it had come at the worst possible time. We'd had a terrible run of form and had lost something like four games in five. And then we come back on to uh, a game against... Forest get a very impressive win there and then beat Derby County away from home very impressively as well and suddenly we have some form we're uh, very positive but then we've got another two week international break which really 
disrupted our momentum, I think. The only real positive to come out of that was um, we had about 12 players injured or something like that, so it gave us a chance to try and get some of those players back. And although a few of them uh, came back into contention for the Wolves game, it wasn't enough to... Um, to uh, to match up to Wolves, to be honest, because they just got so much quality, and that showed uh, in the game. Really good goal from Cavalero in the first half, um, which was frustrating because we'd started the game pretty well. Um, we had a lot of the ball, as we always do, but we also had some good opportunities. John Swift had a really good um, shot, kind of fumbled from Ruddy onto the post. It's odd to say that about a goalie that I just uh, said is the best in the division, but in that game, he had some really good saves uh, in the second half in particular, but he also uh, fumbled a few chances as well. Um, so it's just frustrating, that kind of game, um, when you lose 2-0 against the best side in the division, but you still come away from it thinking that um, we should have got something out of it. We had a lot of chances, we had a lot of the ball. Um, we had some really good opportunities as well. We were getting into good opportunities into good positions um, we had the ball cleared off the line uh, a few times uh, and the odds uh, failure to make connection with a really good cross um, but we can still take some positives out of it um, especially when a couple of months ago we were playing very poorly yeah and going on to Preston obviously uh, complete opposite to you Simeon the international break came at the perfect time for us we if we'd carried on another couple of weeks, I don't think we would have had a single player fit in our squad, such was the way that players were dropping like flies with injuries. Um, so it was a good opportunity for us to get players back fit and, you know, sort of rebuild and go back to basics, really. I think before we had this sort of horrific run of injuries and results, sort of starting at the, the Fulham game back in October, we were, I think we were fifth or sixth at the time. So it was sort of a real sort of, bitter pill to take all the injuries sort of I think we've had our season's worth of injuries happen at, at once so definitely over the international break it was uh, sort of about getting players back fit and putting a sort of a patch together defense together for the for the Bolton game on Friday night Friday night on Sky um, we never do particularly well on Sky either so you know I was I was fearing the worst but Going into the game, about an hour before the teams were announced, we found out that the captain, Tom Clark, was back, who hasn't played in about six or seven months after doing, uh, I think it was an ACL injury. Um, so great to have him back. And I just am hoping that he is fully fit and they haven't rushed him back just because of our lack of defensive options at the moment. But he got to sit the game on the bench. It was a great sort of morale boost around the stadium. And if we can get him back fit, club captain probably our best centre-back and he's a real asset for us going forward and it'll be like getting a new player back because he hasn't played yet this season um moving on to the game there was not much really to to talk about really same as sort of louis mentioned it was quite a, a poor nil nil game um against bolton sort of sky were billing it as a, a lancashire derby when sort of neither team really considers it a derby the only thing that you know make you think it's the Derby as we're both from the Northwest. So uh, it was a bit of a strange one on that aspect. Um, the game was delayed by 15 minutes with one of the floodlights going out. And that really set the tone, to be honest, not much happened. Um, Jordan Hugill, our striker was suspended and Sean Maguire, our, our sort of other attacking sort of player who's played well this season is out injured until the new year now. So, that was quite evident with the lack of clear-cut chances we created. Um, but the real positive coming out of the game was sort of how well we defended. It's a clean sheet. You know, we've we've stopped the, I think it was five defeats on the bounce. Um, you know, so it's good to kind of stop that rot and, and get back to basics, really. Um, so not too many complaints on, on my end. Bolton were in a good run of form, I think, unbeaten in four going into the game. And... Uh, sort of the main for me was getting through the game with no more injuries, getting players back and, and you know, keeping a clean sheet and starting to, to build again, really. So that was uh, sort of the positives from that um, sort of players that impressed sort of throughout the game. Ben Pearson was absolutely fantastic in the middle of the park. Same with Alan Brown, um, them two are building a real strong partnership and keeping Daniel Johnson sort of on the sidelines at the moment, who at the start of the season was one of our best players. So it's testament to how well both of those are playing at the moment. Um, and I think even though we didn't score, Stefan Mavadidi, who's not had many chances so far this season coming on loan from Arsenal, 
did fantastically well playing up front on his own. He's uh, a young striker who he's not sort of the physical presence that Hugill is and sort of our defence didn't seem to realise that and just kept hitting long balls up to him. But he did well to hold up the ball when given the opportunity and he's got a great turn of pace. He's quick and he's skillful on the ball as well. And if he can continue playing like he did on Friday night, I think he'll definitely be a real asset for us, especially sort of filling that, that sort of pacey, sort of skillful player gap that Sean Maguire's left while he's out injured. So it's a real opportunity for him now over the coming weeks to to stamp his mark on the side and, and push for a regular start. Um, but sort of to wrap things up this week, obviously it's a double game week uh, next week. Both of us, or all of our teams have got a game in midweek and then we've also got a game at the weekend. Um, go to you first on this one, Louis. Uh, two away games, Ipswich away and Reading away. How do you see the games going and what would be your sort of ideal scenario for those games? Well, ideally, six points, um, obviously, but away from home, it's, you know, we're just consistently inconsistent this season. So I don't even know if I can make a prediction for both games, to be honest. But Ipswich is going to be interesting. They're one point above us in the league. They've had a relatively decent season so far. Um, It's interesting because at home, Ipswich haven't drawn a game yet. So they've only only won and lost. Um, but Martin Wagons stood out this season. He's got eight goals, a couple of assists, and McGoldrick. He's got six goals, three assists. So obviously, keep a watchful eye on those guys. Um, if I'm honest, if if I'm going to pr- pick a prediction for this game, I, I, I'm going to go nil nil. It's on Sky. I can't see it being a fantastic game. Um, it'll be interesting, but away from home, we'll either very good or very bad it seems um and like i say i know that they've not drawn at home this season but you know i can see it happening nil nil uh, but then going into the next game we've got reading away again interesting because we're constantly inconsistent um so away from home i know red reading as opposed to last season of a struggling if you like um because i expected them to be right up there again this season pushing the playoffs um, Sonia Lukos, I really think he's a decent player at this level because you know he, he he could step up and and be an even better player. But I think his creativity and his pace is and his attacking threat could cause us some real problems. Um, I it's, I know it's also interesting because they've only won two at home but lost four this season. So I'm hoping that it's you know Reading are there for the taking. Um, and if I were to predict this game, because I've gone for a draw in the last one, I'm going to say that Wednesday win 2-1 and take four points from the next two games. But my judgment will be completely wrong. I, I, I just, God knows what we're going to get out of this next two games, to be honest. Um, it, I'm interested to hear what Simeon's going to say and his prediction about the game. I, I find it hard to predict the next two because uh, I'm not really sure what kind of, what Reading team I'm judging to be honest. Am I judging the Reading team that was really bad from uh, a month or two ago, or am I judging the team that is, uh, that suddenly looked really impressive just before the international break? I don't know if that was a kind of a flash in the pan, or is it a sign of better things to come? Um, going into the Bolton game, I'm. it's the game that we should be kind of positive about. They're um, towards the bottom of the table, but they are unbeaten in their last five I think they've got a win and four draws and it's shown that they've just started to get used to the championship they've started to get some fight about them uh Sammy o- Amiobi's doing pretty well for them too and going into that match especially with a couple of uh real uh fan favorites from Reading that down there uh Phil Parkinson was a legendary center half for them he, for us he's now their manager uh, also, Jem Karachan and Adam Lafondre in their team as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform against us. Um, but I just feel that if they get organised, if they get behind the ball, then they're really going to frustrate things for us and we could struggle to uh, break them down and get a goal. So I'm worried about a, a banana skin at, at Bolton, to be honest. And then going into the game on Saturday, um, it, it depends what kind of Reading team turns up again. If we play really well and uh, on the front foot from the start, I'm relatively confident of a of a narrow win, maybe a one one nil or a or a two one. But if 
Sheffield Wednesday come and frustrate us uh, and keep things tight for, say, the first half or so, then I think they could come away with a win themselves. Um, if I was pushed to a prediction, I'd say probably a draw on Tuesday and then another draw on Saturday as well. Uh, probably a 1-1 one, one in each case. Yeah, and moving on to Preston, we've got sort of real, oh, two really hard away games coming up. We're away at Bristol City on Tuesday night, which, you know, as we've, we've discussed in our team of the season so far, they're defending well in people like Aidan Flint and they're scoring goals with people like Bobby Reid. So it's going to be a really difficult away game, especially with sort of defensive injuries and us only just getting players back who haven't had too much match fitness. Um, so anything sort of a draw I'd be delighted with. Uh, can't see it happening, but, you know, we we seem to have this this ability to play better away from home and, and pick up points on the road when sort of not many fancy us. So definitely a draw away at Bristol. Um, Norwich away on Saturday is sort of an interesting one. If you look at Norwich away on paper, you think, you know, difficult place to go to, but seen on Twitter yesterday, I don't think Norwich have won a home game in seven games, I think it is now. So if anything, it's a good time to be going to Carrow Road and playing them. Um you know, they're for whatever reason not picking up the points at home that they should be. Um and I do think, you know, given sort of the the injuries and, and that kind of thing with us, we've got nothing to lose going there really. So if we could get a draw out of the two games, you know, I'd be happy. Pick up sort of the odd point here and there on your away games and win your home games and you'll be there or thereabouts. So to go with sort of my head, I think we'll probably lose one, draw one. Um, but to go sort of as with my heart and then, uh, you know, as a Preston fan, two draws I'd be absolutely delighted with. Um, maybe even snatch a win in one of them. But as long as we can get players back fit now is the main thing for us and start to kind of rebuild our season really. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Cheers for joining me today, guys. If you two wanted to let everyone know where you can or where people can reach you, now would be a good time. So I'm Louis Shackshaft. You can catch me on Twitter or my website, which is just louisshackshaft.com. Um, also on there, I've written the blog with my best 11 players of the championship this season, which I've discussed on uh, the championship pod but you can check that out and like james mentioned earlier we want to uh hear from the listeners and, and the fans um their best 11 so you can uh, tweet us at championship pod or just leave a comment on my website i'm simeon pickup you can find me on twitter at box royal and i'm also editor of the tilehurst end and you can check us out for some really good reading content and some reading podcasts as well yeah, and as I said at the start, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at underscore James Vickers. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Championship Pod. And, you know, as Louis said, definitely get involved and let us know who'd been your team of the season so far. Which players did we miss? Or if you agree with any, let us know as well. Um, and as I said earlier, definitely check out the article on Bobby Reed that Jake's done as well. It's a really good read and, you know, gives you a bit of insight into how he's adapting into the division as well um but yeah cheers for joining me today guys and we'll see you next time every year one thing is always predictable postage costs go up stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89 percent off usps and ups services so your business will barely notice the change stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours it's like your own personal post office no lines no traffic no waiting sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program